connected consumer. Hi, I'm Rosie Sarah. And I'm Chris White. And we are the hosts of Parks Associates podcast, The Connected Consumer. This is a podcast that covers industry trends and the latest news in connected electronics, emerging technology, and we bring on industry experts as well as our lovely, brilliant analyst, which is what we're doing today. Yes. Today we are joined by our very own Vice President of Research, Jennifer Kent, and Director of Research, Kristen Hannock, to talk about our latest research and announcements on connected health topics. Hi, ladies. Thanks for having us today. Thanks for joining us. We're excited to chat more about the topics today. Chris, do you want to hop in? <laughs> yeah, so Kristen, specifically, you recently came out with two, two really big reports on um, health and, and, and senior living that I've, I felt like we should make sure we get some exposure on the pod um, because lately we've been talking about a lot of smart home stuff and we want to move into covering like all the verticals. So thank you for coming on and helping us have some balance in our stream. That's important, right, Rosie? That's Absolutely. what the audience wants. Yes. Yeah, very, very happy to be here, Chris Rosie. It's um, the last few years have seen a really a radical transformation of the healthcare market. Uh, we have seen telehealth services, for example, boom from almost nothing to majority adoption in the U.S. I think all of us here probably have a big experience with using some of these new virtual solutions that have been on the market and just now more widely available. Yeah, I mean the the pandemic was really a big deal. That's something you touched on a lot in your in your report. So so let's first let's zoom in a little. Bit. You know what? I got to introduce Jen though too. So Jen, you're me and Kristen's bosses. So you're here because you know a lot about the stuff that we cover because you're like our mentor character, right? So you're gonna chime in and help out and also correct us when we're saying something is wrong from your position of authority. Is that correct? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> thanks, Chris. Also, um, you know, one of the primary areas that I covered as an analyst and continue to support is in connected health. It's a real um, important area. It's a place that I think that, you know, technology has so much opportunity to have some really amazing impact on on society and on people and on how people live their lives. So I really love this topic. Um, And I'd love to bring in, uh, you know, Kristen's going to talk a lot about the research. We have a connected health summit that we host throughout the year virtually. And uh, we recently had two days of sessions. And so we learned so much from the really industry leaders and executives that, that came on. And so I'm excited to kind of bring some of their words to this podcast and tell you what I learned from them, because I really learned so much from the, the industry players that we get to talk to. We're in such a fortunate position as a research firm to be talking to all of these different players in the connected health ecosystem and Understanding where they're going, what they're seeing is 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 super interesting. So hoping to bring a little bit of that today. Yeah, I mean it's really awesome that we don't we don't have to just rely on our primary research. Like that's the core of what we do. But having all the experts around and in our uh, virtual events really adds the any missing pieces that we might have to the perspective. Since we're just hearing from the consumers and they don't know everything about what's going on in the space. So, Kristen. Um, let's for let's you have two big reports. Let's talk about the telehealth one first. It's called the new report is called Telehealth and Remote Patient Monitoring: The User Experience. So first, let's talk a little bit about like just what do we consider telehealth? Uh, sure. So for telehealth, we have a broad definition of the term, which includes any type of remote visit, whether that's a video visit, an audio visit, or it could just be uh, a text message exchange or uh, a chat message exchange that you have with a physician or other care provider. All right, cool. And so there, to, to your point, this, this is something that's seen uh, 
humongous explosion of growth during the course of the pandemic. And I noted in the report, it said, top insurers, including United Health Group, Humana, Aetna, and others are launching these telehealth first plans, their member bases. So there's a little bit like I'm always talking about with like the resistance coming away in EVs where all the legacy makers are now making them. The insurance companies who had previously maybe had some feelings about how telehealth should be covered and how they were going to pay that are now are now developing products specifically for it. So so for me, that seems like kind of a tailwind or like a blessing from from the other players, like the resistance is down and this is just going to go forward. So that feels like a sign to me. Do you, do you agree that the trajectory of telehealth is like continued growth at this point? I think there's a lot of uh, forward momentum for telehealth as a whole. Uh, telehealth technology as, as a way of serving patients. Um, we have over a decade of experience in providing fairly high quality care by, by virtual modalities. Um, the primary barriers before COVID-19 were regulatory and reimbursements. And also to a certain extent, uh, care providers didn't really want to because they were used to providing that in-person experience. Right. Uh, by and large, those have gone away. Uh, there are still certain uh, types of you know, care that has to be provided in person. And for certain um, health conditions, that's something you, you very much want. But at the same time, there's a lot of very low acuity um, conditions, a lot of uh, different things about primary care provider visits, for example, um, maybe mental health services that are actually uh, that are provided virtually. So I think that's that's an enormous uh, savings in, in terms of cost and in terms of time for both them. Um, but patients, um, providers, insurers as well. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I was going to ask who benefits. So it's, it 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 seems like cost cutting is is kind of across the board. Is that fair to say? Uh, it depends on what exactly you're doing, but there are some major cost benefits there as well. Okay, and then of course all the device makers who are trying to make the remote monitoring devices are also going to benefit. So that was a big piece that you talked about in your report. Could you tell us a little bit about the, kind of the concept of remote monitoring and where that's going right now? Sure. So what we've been seeing going on in the industry is that for a lot of uh, virtual care services, telehealth services, uh, they're moving towards a virtual first model where you have telehealth as being the, the core of a, a patient experience. Um, but you can't, of course, you can't do everything just with a two-way video call. You need actual data from the, from the right. patient in terms of their different um, health metrics, whether that's heart rate data, blood pressure, blood sugar, uh, or any number of, of different, um, yeah, different vitals. Yeah. Yeah. So very important to have that information important to receive it in a timely manner. It important that it integrates with your, um, your emergency, like your, your medical systems, EMR systems. Um, uh, what we're seeing is that uh, for a lot of these, uh, these solutions, they're beginning to include devices into these bundles, actually send them out to patients' households. Uh, the patient sets up the, the device kit in their home. Um, the devices will just send data back to the care provider. So they can just look at everything in, in one spot. Right. And that, and that seems like, so you mentioned blood sugar. And so that got me thinking about like diabetics would really benefit from this. What what are other types of um, patients that are going to be benefiting from, from having remote monitoring as an option? Sure. I'd say diabetics, of course, are really the um, one of the patient groups that will benefit the most from these types of solutions. Uh, there are also people maybe with COPD that would benefit, uh, lots of people with complex or chronic conditions who would stand to benefit quite a bit as well. Um, anything that needs a lot of guidance on the part of uh, a care provider to help improve uh, patient outcomes uh, would really benefit. All right. So, I mean, this this feels like 
a lot about the way that smart home and smart energy is being delivered like with the help of a technician, right? So like instead of it just being, you don't, you don't go on Amazon necessarily and buy your blood sugar device without a doctor in, in between prompting you. But so could you talk a little bit about kind of how the channel works for these remote, you know, remote patient monitoring device makers? Are they working through insurance? Are they working through the doctors? Like who are they promoting to? Who are they marketing to? Sure. It's still really very much early days for a lot of these types of solutions. Uh, what we're seeing with virtual first primary care is that uh, the kits of devices are actually being sent uh, by the health insurers that are rolling out these new health plans to the patients. So that's all done in-house. Um, there are other uh, different care providers who have these open platforms, like they're integrating with Apple HealthKit and other platforms along those lines. Uh, so you can actually bring your own devices and that will all join together. So that's, um, it's going to be a very complex market and going on into the future. I think there's going to be a lot of decisions on the part of, of care providers, on the uh, part of health IT specialists as to how to integrate all this data, uh, how to prioritize things. Uh, there's there's questions around the reliability and accuracy of some of these solutions as well. Oh, interesting. It's a very, very complex field, lots of questions. Yes, Jen, you're raising your hand. Yeah, I just wanted to add that, that that's definitely something that we heard at Connected Health Summit. Uh, we had Dan McCaffrey from Omron, who you might uh, recognize as one of the top manufacturers of blood pressure cups, for instance, talking about how um, he's never, they've never seen before this level of demand for at-home monitoring, right? So the demand's real um, and increasing even. Uh, but one of the things that physicians are really looking for is validation of the data accuracy, right? That the, the data that they're getting back um, it's true and accurate and that they can trust it in the same way as if that person was, were having their blood pressure taken in the office. And in fact, there's a lot of evidence to show that blood pressure in particular um, is actually better monitored at home and in an ongoing way because people get stressed when they come to the doctor's office, mm -hmm. right? They're, you can actually have higher blood pressure readings that one time you visit your doctor than, than what you normally have the normal course of a day. So um, I thought that was a really interesting point that he made. And then besides that, the other thing that physicians he shared are really looking for is that these solutions are working into their workflow. Um, so similar to what Kristen is talking, that data accuracy, and then really having the remote patient monitoring uh, manufacturers and then the kind of systems integrators and the software side all working back into the physician flow. So they're not feeling overwhelmed by the new you know, amounts or types of data that they need to look at, that things are being really elevated to them or to other care staff, nursing staff when needed. Right. And all in one place, right at their fingertips, all the sort of things that we hear all the time in other emerging tech, right? I mean, it's a pretty similar story. Like early on, there's distrust. People are people are concerned that there's going to be mistakes. Um, but that's that's really interesting. And this and it's to your point earlier about this being like a very important issue. Do you, we can't have mistakes here, right? Like we can have we can have buggy gear and a lot of other verticals, but not not this one. Historically, in tech, there's been this concept of move fast and break things. That is something right. you absolutely cannot do in the field of medicine. Right, right. Totally. Totally. Well, let's shift gears to this second report that uh, Chris mentioned earlier, Senior Living Technology for Safety and Independence. Uh, Kristen, can you give us a little bit of an overview of some of the things that you discovered while you were working on this report? Um, and then I'd love to get some feedback from Jen on some of the things that, um, that some of your takeaways. 
Uh, sure. So this report really investigates uh, kind of how the independent living uh, solutions market is is going, um, how uh, both uh, both seniors and how family caregivers are tackling some of the, the issues and challenges now that I won't say the COVID-19 pandemic is over. It's just out of the active phase. Um, COVID is here to stay. And one of the challenges that um, older folks are going to have is how to live with it. Um, we have seen over the past few years, there has been this very much uh, enormous boom in adoption of smart technologies on the part of seniors. Uh, so lots of seniors and their families were, were forced into using some of these solutions. Um, lots of uh, use of communications tools, lots of use of streaming video, uh, lots of uses of different um, independent living monitoring technologies as well. Just because a lot of times family caregivers weren't able to go and provide that care in person. Uh, to reduce the, the chances of, of disease transmission. Right. Um, with the pandemic uh, winding down a bit, a, a lot of um, more vaccines are available and everyone who wants a vaccine has has had the opportunity to get one by now. Uh, there's not as much of a need for some of these solutions. Uh, so we are seeing some, some of the demand uh, decreasing. Uh, we do continue to see an interest in some more subscription types of, of solutions. Um, those who do need the, the higher levels of technology need it quite a bit. Um, we're seeing among uh, consumers who are maybe a little bit more tech adept in terms of, of family care to caregivers, that there's actually a lot of interest in buying solutions from companies like uh, home security service providers, uh, internet service providers. So we're seeing lots of, of kind of channel evolution in that as well. Yeah, you know, uh, the C the security, residential security, home security type players, a lot of our listeners might, if you're not in that space, might not be aware that they are among the top providers of senior solutions, especially for the basic, um, what we call PERS devices, panic buttons, medical alert, you know, a lot of the monitoring senators, centers uh, that monitor your security system are also monitoring those types of medical alerts systems, right? And so uh, from the security space, as the security providers are looking for new areas to expand, you know, their businesses, this idea of serving seniors and caregivers better and having new solutions for them um, is really starting to take hold. Uh, interestingly, in uh, Connected Health Summit, we did hear from Daniel Oppenheim, who's the CEO of Affiliated Monitoring, who does do monitoring on the security side, but they also have PERS devices. Um, he shared some pretty you know, kind of wow stats about how these types of systems are used today that speaks a little bit to the opportunity of where they can go. So he he shared that 15% of all the calls that come into their monitoring center result in a call to first responders or, you know, a loved one of that senior. The rest, the other 85% of calls seniors are simply seeking a human connection and they're pushing that button to talk to the agent. Wow. And so what, first of all, a statement about the isolation and loneliness that many seniors face in their, their daily lives, but then also a kind of a call for the for, for new solutions and also an opportunity for those in the space to really evolve what we mean by, you know, senior care and senior services and how to bring that kind of human element and the, the human touch to, you know, what in the past, these very legacy solutions are truly just kind of a, a button and a yeah. call, right? How can we bring in the social aspect and the communication with family and loved ones. I mean, even, even if it's not a family person, you know, a, a human element 
uh, to the seniors, which is clearly what, what many are seeking. Amazing. Um, sorry, before we switch subjects real quick, uh, Jen, could you, could you give our audience a quick description of what PURSE means and what it stands for, um, just for some of our audience members that may not know what that is? Yeah, thank you. Um, so PERS, P-E-R-S, is Personal Emergency Response System. And so the the most basic PERS would be, again, that kind of panic button, I've fallen and I can't get up, that you might be familiar with, a medical alert button. They have evolved over the years. A lot of them do have now cellular embedded so that you can use them outside of the house. Um, but more and more, you're seeing systems that have sensor sensors within the system to track kind of your activities uh, throughout the day has um, have you gotten up around the same time that you normally got you get up did you open the refrigerator and if you know there are anomalies in your day that might trigger a call or an alert to a family loved one first hey check in on mom, right? So there's a lot that's happening from the types of devices that you'd see on the smart home side or in the residential security space that can be repurposed specifically for this use case of caring for seniors and helping them really truly to live more independently and safely at home. Perfect. Thank you so much. Kristen, I didn't mean to cut you off. Please proceed. I'm just going to say, to, to build off of Jennifer's point a little bit, um, we in our research, we tested the top features of independent living solutions, and really the, the top three can be, uh, the top five can be categorized in these three main buckets. Uh, the first of course is fall detection. If your loved one falls um, they and they maybe break a, break a hip, um, you don't want them to be lying on the ground potentially for, for a week without somebody to come and help them. Uh, so PERS is, is of course very much essential. Um, we're also seeing a lot of interest in safety and security features. So for example, alerts if there's fire, smoke or gas detected um, even something as simple as a video doorbell, which is a, a big overlap uh, with some of the, the solutions from the security providers. And of course, uh, one of the top features is that um, that human aspect, so the ability to have voice or video calls um, that help the, the senior connect with the family and loved ones. Yeah, so, you, so another another sign, by the way, that there's some tailwinds on this space. Is, um, so you mentioned doorbells and that that reminded me of um, we were, something we were talking about recently is the Amazon, the maker of Ring. That's my segue. The maker of Ring acquired also um, One Medical, which is a big uh, healthcare provider. Could you, do you guys have a reaction to that news? Kristen, you go first. Uh, sure. So um, Amazon has been interested in getting into the health, health space for quite some time. And I believe uh, 2018, it purchased Pellpack as a way of getting into the, the, the pharmacy space. Um, it also launched its own uh, Amazon Care Service, I believe, in um, partnership with a few other companies, uh, which it was essentially offering a, a telehealth service, uh, virtual first primary care uh, to different uh, to um, employees of different companies. Uh, after the purchase of one medical, Amazon actually shuttered that business. So it does look like uh, Amazon is interested, still, of course, interested in, in healthcare, but they decided to go purchase a company that already had a fairly successful subscription model, uh, one that offered a hybrid of, of virtual and in-person uh, service delivery as well. Got it. Jen, what have you been hearing? What are your thoughts on that acquisition? Yeah, well, I was going to actually maybe kind of expand to some of there are a lot of companies that haven't traditionally been into the health in the healthcare space that are are getting into it, you might not be aware because they're getting into it through different brands. So um, obviously, 
Amazon as a tech giant is a great example. In the internet service provider world, Cox, you might not be aware, has been in remote patient monitoring for many years under a brand called Tripalo Health. And then Comcast um, also has a is in a joint venture with the Independence uh, Health Group behind a company called Quill that's also working with another company we know in the ecosystem uh, named People Power, who started with sort of sensors and AI focused on uh, energy, and then they pivoted over to caregivers and, and senior care. Um, and People Power just rebranded, I think, today. Whoa. So. Ooh. Sure, I got this right, or maybe yesterday. I just saw this on LinkedIn called Care Daily. So if you're if you're listening to this and you want to learn about People Power, People Power is now Care Daily. But so anyway, Comcast, Independent Health Group, Quill, and People Power all working together on this senior question. And so you might not know that it's a Comcast venture, but but certainly these big companies are very interested, and they they have um, obviously a a uh, uh, presence in the home through their connectivity services. Their connectivity yeah. services are making connected health and virtual healthcare to the home possible. They have assets like the ability to roll a truck to the home to set things up, right, and to support things. Um, so interesting to see all of the different types of organizations that may traditionally not have been in healthcare starting to try and figure out how to make care at home possible. Amazing. So we're getting towards the end of our, our episode here. Um, so I just want to ask Kristen first and then Jen, um, what's next? What are you working on? What do you have coming up? Give a little teaser to our audience uh, on, on what's next for you. Of course. In terms of uh, the syndicated research I'm doing, uh, I'm coming up in addition to the, the two reports I already authored. Um, a long form, uh, I'd say, industry report looking at how telehealth has really changed and evolved and where we see the market going in the, the coming years. Um, so a lot of the, the movement we've seen in this space was possible because of uh, emergency youth use authorizations, uh, temporary measures uh, put into place by Congress to um, kind of fight the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, those are going to go away eventually. So what is the, the healthcare space going to look like when that does? What can we expect to be the new normal going forward? Oh, that's a critical question to answer. Looking forward to learning about that. How about you, Jen? Yeah, so I'd love to invite anybody listening between now, uh, which is September, and um, October 6th, uh, 2022, to join us at our next virtual Connected Health Summit session where we really are focusing on seniors and caretakers. And we have speakers from... ADT, from AARP, from groups that are really uh, invested in the analytics side of things like CamiVision. Um, we also have UMass Memorial Health um, bringing the healthcare point of view. Um, to, we're talking a lot about hospital to home types of uh, use cases as well. So please join us. Um, if you missed that, actually, if you register for Connected Health Summit, you can go back and watch any of the sessions that we've held all year. And then looking even more forward, um, every year in January, the Consumer Technology Association hosts the Consumer Electronics Show, uh, the largest you know show for consumer electronics in the world, and uh, we'll be there. Um, but also, we expect to see a lot of innovation in health continue, even though, again, kind of we're off the, the high of the pandemic. Um, there's so much that can be done here. And a lot of these, these points are kind of falling together for 
uh, companies expect to see more of the wearables, uh, adding even more health sensors as they push into um, detecting more vital signs and really leaning into the health use case. So um, join us for these conversations all year. Uh, you know, it's it's going to continue to be an evolving market and a lot of interesting news to talk about, I'm sure. Amazing. I'll make sure to add all of the links and special promo codes into the, the description notes for everyone to access. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for bringing that up. And I'll also make sure to add links for Kristen's latest reports and everything like that. So um, please share with our audience where they can reach out to you, where they can connect with you on social media platforms, whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, maybe just our website so they know where they can find your reports and the, the things that you guys work on. Uh, sure. I'm also Kristen Hannock on LinkedIn. That is going to be the, the best way to reach me if you don't have my email. Um, you can also call the uh, the main number here at the office and they'll, they'll put you in touch with me. Great. And I'm on Twitter at Jennifer M. Kent um, and on LinkedIn searching Jennifer Kent at Parks Associates is the best way to find me. Our website's parksassociates.com. You got to have an S with a parks. That's a big, that's a big misstep. So parks with an S. Yeah. Associates.com and under the research tab, you'll be able to find um, links over to our health research, but you're always welcome to reach out to me on anything that you're interested in, in finding related to research. And we'll, I'll, I'll track the team down for you. So love, love when people reach out. Amazing. All right. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining us for this quick little episode today. Uh, we're excited to, to promote it and everything like that. Um, we're going to go into our little outro. And um, Chris, I'll take it away. All right. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, it, it was a good, great conversation, um, like I mentioned, about, about this, these topics that we don't get to cover often enough, maybe. So be sure to reach out to us and tell us if this is what you like to listen to. If you want to hear more about smart home, as, as we're often talking about, you know, let us know what, what's most interesting. Maybe you like energy the best, like I do. So, so let us know. Be sure to like, subscribe, and comment in whatever you're using to listen. If you're listening to audio only, keep in mind you can check this out on YouTube as well. And then follow me on Twitter at CWhiteInsights. And my Twitter handle is at Rosie Alpino Sarah. And also, please feel free to tweet at Parks Associates, too, if you have any questions or any feedback for Connected Consumer Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Bye.